Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise, brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house, and you can get 20% off your order and free shipping around the world. I'm Jake, and that's Will, episode 98. And uh, as we're recording this on the last day of August, crazy, um, it is time for college football. Week zero was last week. Week one, as you're going to see, in this episode, like, oh my God, there are so many good games. Um, so much cool stuff. We're going to break it all down. Some rivalries get opened back up. Some t- literally a number two and a number five go against each other. Um, I wasn't ready for it, but I I put in the teaser from later on that you, everyone else will get. Um, I put in the teaser today. And I'm not ashamed. No, I mean, uh, this is the time to make the money for NFL. Uh at least week zero and week one. Um, but we, the dog days of summer are over. I appreciated summer. I love summer. But there was a video that Francis Ellis, who now is back at Barstool, posted from his podcast. And it was sweet poetry of him talking about fall. Give me the sweaters and the pea coats and the boots going up to a, a bar that's the, the wood mahogany bars ordering a frothy cocktail and a rotisserie chicken with exposed brick. It's the crisp air, an extra blanket on the bed. Fall is upon us and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm done with the, I'm done with the stupid heat. I'm done with the, the dog days. It's, it's fall season. I'm all for it. Fall is my favorite season. I'm not ready for the pumpkin shit yet, but I'm ready for fall. See, it's the opposite for me. I'm ready for the pumpkin shit. That's mad suspect, what you just said. Going up and getting a frothy cocktail with a rotisserie chicken? On September. It's still too hot. Separate days. It's still too hot. That's what I'm saying. Like it's you're not gonna be getting the frothy fall cocktails till like mid-October. Mm, yeah. That's what like the worst part about September is is like I already flip my closet to fall stuff. I I can't do that just yet. I did. I was because now the stores are starting to put stuff out a little bit cheaper than prime fall time. Get your deals now. Get so, your deals. So that's now. true. I will say, you know what I am in the market for, and you know what it is probably the perfect time to buy is beach chairs. I don't have beach chairs. Um, Let me get some good deals on bathing suits. That's another very good one. Whatever I end of stock, end of season shit. Yeah, my issue is I just own too many bathing suits. So I did that in the spring before, and they were hard to find in the spring, which kind of sucked. That makes like, sense. Not many stores were pushing them out. So, like, the variety was kind of amp, but I got them cheaper. He's like a Tommy Bahama bathing suit for 60, 70 bucks is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. If I'm going to get a bathing suit, here's my take I'm going to get a bathing suit for that much money. There's only one brand. You know what? No, I'm not even going to say it because no free ads. No free ads. What does it rhyme with? Um, Lair Garber. It's Fair Harbor. Fuck it. I it's was going to say. Excellent, excellent bathing suits. Uh, no free ads, though. Um, no free ads whatsoever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to buy a beach chair in these next couple of days. Because you could probably get it for like 50% off. Nobody wants a beach chair. You know what I did try to go get the other day was like a small little cooler. 
And it, this was at CVS on the east side of Providence. And the woman's like, hey, if you buy a hard one, I'll give you uh, half off. She's like, I just need to get them out of the store. I didn't do it. I bought a small one for the full price. like, So I'm an asshole for that. But they just want the summer stuff out of their stores. Yeah. Hmm. I have still so many from – I still have so many of like the small Coors Light ones from Max Liquor where they used to sell the 30 rack of Coors in the cooler for like 20 bucks. And it's like it made it made no sense not buying it because oh, it's like you – you get the same, you get the same amount of beer for the same cost, and you get a cooler out of it. Yeah, like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? That's fiscally irresponsible not to buy it. And it's like if you lost it or it broke or it got dirty or you borrowed it, to, you lent it to somebody. It's like okay, I'm just gonna go next week and get another thirty rack with another cooler. Like I have four of them. Why? Yeah, the good insulation. We probably insulation. had our fair share of uh, of people leaving them in our place too. That is true, <laughs> because see, everyone had them. Everyone had them. It, it was the out. way. It was the male equivalent of the Lulu lemon bag. That's a, wow. That's a very good point. Uh, in stock for a total, a grand total of twenty five minutes yesterday. So I hear the lemon bags. That's um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. For us, it's the Coors Light. Uh, great transition of beers, and I'll start it off. Just on my mind. Went to Block Island on Monday for the first time since you and I went there in August 2020. Um, I will say, cool spot. It is nice when you get off the ferry and you actually walk a little bit and, you know, explore. Uh, there's much more of the island than Ballard's, which you could have fooled me. I thought it was just Ballard's. Um, a lot of cool shit to do. A lot of cool beaches. Uh, took a moped out. Pretty cool. Um, first of all, they here's my take. They should not hand out mopeds to people who have never driven them before. I would have been included in that. Because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It took me maybe 15 minutes to figure out, like, the controls, basically. Like, you know, I didn't know how much thrust to give it. I didn't know it literally rode right like a motorcycle. Um, I don't understand the insurance policies on those types of companies. Especially for a place like Block Island, where everyone is pretty much intoxicated. <laughs> like, how is it only, like, it's not that expensive to rent? Um, what do we, we had two and a half hours and we haggled with the guy brought him down to 35 bucks but then they charge you five bucks for gas and then i i did take out a five dollar insurance thing on it that's what i'm saying five dollars so 50 bucks all in all for two hours that's it was yeah it was less than 50 that's an hour and 50 of potential accidents yeah i don't understand if i were an insurance company and they're like hey we're gonna rent mopeds to people who have never driven them before i'd be like go fuck yourself no way. Or yeah, here's a gazillion dollar insurance policy. All right. Anyway, that's besides the point. Block Island was really cool. Um, went out for lunch and I'm like, you know, I could use a nice cold beer before I go have a mudslide at Ballard's. And there was only one beer I was getting. It was Flying Jenny from Graysale. And Flying Jenny was one of those that it was a newer addition to the Graysale arsenal. I think everybody knows... When you think of Graysale, you think of Rhode Island, you think of only one beer, Cap- Captain's Daughter. Um, 
Everybody knows Captain's Daughter, 8.5%. It's a double IPA. It's like weirdly really drinkable for a strong beer. We've talked about this before. Really good stuff. Flying Jenny was a lighter one. Um, and this, I rated a four back in the day. I think I'm going to give this a four as well. I think it has withstood the test of time. Very good light beer. Um, it was one of those that was just perfect to drink. You know, it was kind of hot. I was sweating a little. I'm like, you know, I just need to sit in the shade. I'll chug a quick water, have a quick cold beer to cool me off. Did the job. Um, really good beer. I, I would say Captain's Daughter was probably the first beer that I learned to like appreciate legally when I turned 21. And Flying Jenny, I think, is just a little bit better um, in different ways different ways so flying jenny gets a four for me from graysale and we still haven't been there well i haven't been there anyway. i've been to graysale yeah it's a cool spot um but i mean they've always just they make their good they make their beers and they don't mess with it um right. so i don't know what i don't remember the rest of the variety that they offer at the at the brewery but they the captain dollars the flying jennies it's like they Make little it well. Sister is the other big one too. Little sister, it's like those are the three that you know what you're getting, and you're pleased every single time. And if you need a safety net beer, and that's no disrespect because you just gave it a four, but you know if you're at a bar and you see that, you're like, okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah, they do. Uh, poor judgment. I believe I've had that flagship ale is pretty good. It's like their cream ale, uh, four and a half percent. They do Dave's Coffee Stout, which. Not sure if that's a partner with no. That's just a guy named Dave, I guess. Oh no, it's uh, locally roasted Dave's Coffee. Um, Hayes Ho, I haven't had. I haven't had Middle Child. There's a lot that actually I haven't had on this list. Um, and they also do the they make beer for Brick Alley Pub in Newport. Hmm. Um, it's average. It's average. But Graysale is really good. It's again, consistency is the name of the game for Graysale. Um, they do a nice job. So that's a review. That's a review. Graysale. I'm also sticking with the Rhode Island. Swung by our friends over at Moniker. Um, Moniker also, best brewery in Rhode Island based off of House Enterprise listeners, voters, and readers. Best brewery of 2022. Um, but moniker, I had the, year, their hell's lager, the Nahels, Nahels. Excellent. 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 I do not know why they're not pushing it more. Um, it's fairly new. I think it's only at least this batch particular was two, three weeks old, um, in terms of when they released it. There's only like 20 people on untap that have reviewed it. I give it a four out of five. It was so crisp and refreshing it was, I mean, we already talked to, you know, Brian and Jeff and their inspiration of those German style beers and the Eastern European beers hammer on the nail. They do it again. They do it again. Four out of five for me. I can't wait to drink that this upcoming fall more because it was, it was excellent. It was a very, very good, good, good hells that they perfected. That is for that to be their niche, I think that's going to serve them really well. Because I think so. You have these. I mean, let's get real. Everything here is an IPA. 
for the most part, right? I'd say like 75% of the beer for as good as the Rhode Island beer scene is, it's just all of it is IPAs. Um, and to have that niche of like, oh, you know, well, there's a lot of people that don't like IPAs now. I mean, the, the no IPA fest just sold out right down the road. Um, and for those lighter beers, I mean, my first beer I had at Moniker, I think, which we talked about was the, uh, it, it was that Mexican lager. Um, oh, it was the Modelo. Uh, oh, it was Rodello. That's what Rodello. they call it. And that was actually pretty good. Um, and for that to be their niche, like the, you know, sort of lighter beers, the, and even venturing into like the traditional German style kind of things, like the German style Kolsch ale that they did. That, that puts them sitting pretty. Well, that whole neighborhood, uh, well, first off, RIP Bucktown. Uh, yeah. Sad, sad, yeah, sad, sad. Yeah. That's a restaurant that's in the area that closed down. RIP to them. Yeah. Uh, they were having some problems and they finally closed the doors. But in that neighborhood, you have the beer on earth and you have um, uh, Bayberry Beer Hall. So you have your variety. If you want juicy, hoppy New England IPAs, not even New England, just actually, no, they're mainly New England, but your trilliums that they bring in, you go to Bayberry. If you want your kind of variety, they have a combination of very juicy IPAs, but sours and fruit beers and, you know, more specialty craft selections, you go to Beer on Earth. If you want your German style, you go to Moniker. And they're all a f- walking distance, a stone. Yeah, you want like away. light beer, light beer, and to sit outside and you know maybe listen to music or something. You know, go get some food truck stuff. You're finishing at Moniker for that kind of vibe. Yeah, or you kick off and end with lunch or dinner at uh, Bayberry. So you can't go, you can't go wrong there. That's a very strong neighborhood for craft beer. Or you can have like six drinks and then buy a drunk fish. At the at the yeah. fish market over there, do that. The noodle bar, why um, noodle? Not bad. If you yeah. get the right things, not bad. So, and then always Moniker has uh, dips. Is there? They're pretty much set up shop for majority of the week, but they have other they have other food trucks that visit as well. I feel like dips is everywhere. Yeah, I feel like they uh, I feel like they go to long live. They're at Isco a bunch. They're at Isco. Um, tricycle ice cream right down the road too. Yeah. <laughs> you can close it off with dessert. Man, what a part That's of the good. city. Yeah. And then you go like a half mile and you're like in the part of Federal Hill that they tell you not to go to. But then you're at Federal Hill. <laughs> yeah, you take a, then <laughs> like a quarter of a mile into that trip, you take a right, you're on Broadway. You've got Nitro, you've got Seven Stars, all this good stuff. The neighborhoods, tr- they they turn very quickly. I don't, yeah. And then, like, they you turn. keep going past Moniker and stuff, and all, I'm on Elmwood Ave. Uh-oh. Yeah, That's but then you cool. go to the Valley neighborhood, which used to be a not-so-nice neighborhood, and you have Revival, Providence Brewing Company, Isco, New Harvest, Farm Fresh, Tallulah's Wright's Dairy Farm, Anchor Toffee. Nice spot. Oh, God. While we're while we're reviewing Rhode Island just stuff, I from our conversation last week with uh, Efren and Mark, I went to Red's uh, Sauces. I think it, Red's whatever. Um, I got. I just popped in there because I was just hanging out at New Harvest, drinking a coffee, getting some work done, 
and popped in their Sunrise Salsa. A plus. A plus. Go to Reds, like now. Um, They make a jalapeno salsa too. I was just like, I don't want it to be too hot. So that was, I think, one of the best salsas I've owned. Like it's halfway done. Killed it today. So they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding with that stuff. Uh, their sauces are great. The Carolina barbecue is delicious too. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for Rhode Island stuff. Um, we'll move on to business and a couple things before we get into college football here. Uh, we'll go with Mickey Mantle's baseball card first. Um, 1952 Mickey Mantle card sold for $12.6 million. And now, like, I think growing up, you and I were both, you know, we were in that sports kind of thing where we just knew Hannes Wagner had the most expensive card. But $7.6 million was the figure. And now all of a sudden, five more is Mickey Mantle's card. And now all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it, we are just heading for a period that we're going to see a lot more of this. It's like, kind of liking it to players getting paid every year. It's like, wow, look at that contract. It's going to keep getting higher and higher. And Mickey Mantle is the the next victim here. It's one of those things though, where it's like, I wonder what the person got offered five years ago, 10 years ago that you're like, no, 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 I'm going to hold it. And then it finally went up for auction for 12 million, you know, where it's like, because if you, if you surveyed a hundred people right now, hundred baseball fans. I don't know how many would name Mickey Mantle. Hot take. I really don't. That yeah, that might be a hot take. I don't think many would even name Wagner. I'll meet you there. I just think like Mickey Mantle's a name. This young this younger generation, I don't know. I I think that's a hot take. I'm gonna take the other side of it. I think in terms of if, if you're talking about old Yankees, Babe Ruth 1, Joe DiMaggio 2, Mickey Mantle 3. In terms of recognition. Uh, and it's more because of the pop culture. I Yeah, or where's Lou Gehrig in that too? Lou, well, I put Lou Gehrig over Mickey Mantle then in terms of name recognition. I think I, I, I truly think if you surveyed 100 people and it goes, can you name, you have their pictures up. Can you name these four people? I don't know if Mickey Mantle is like the first one that comes to mind. That, all right. Yeah. That's actually a good point because Lou Gehrig's face is very distinct. Yes. And Joe DiMaggio now with uh, the new Marilyn Monroe movie coming out, they're going to publicize that and everyone knows Babe Ruth. Yes. Yes. All right. So, you may have convinced me. Yeah. But going back to the card, what was the grading on the mantle card? I don't know. Let, let's see what mantle. Uh, He's like the, the Honus like, Wagner card was like pretty trashed. It I mean, was, I oh, so this one was mint, mint plus nine, uh, mint plus 9.5 out of 10. So that's like, was it Scott Greenberg that explained this to us? Like, Almost a year and a half ago now, we had him on from uh, Starstock. I think that's a really good rating. 
I mean, that's near perfect for how old of that card is. Right. That is someone's like grandfather putting that in a box covered in newspaper and not seeing the light of day till the 2000s. I think that's actually the highest score you can get. Mint plus 9.5. Because the scale ends at 9.5. So, again, who is that guy that has a Babe Ruth 9.5? So. Somebody. This guy, Anthony Giordano. 12.6 million bucks. Let's see. Wow, he's at he's he regrets it. He regrets selling it. He goes, I don't feel good. I don't have the card anymore. I would uh sell that in a heartbeat. He said, All right, it's after holding on to it for 31 years, he sold it, blah blah blah. It was the largest amount ever paid for a sports card, obviously. It's also the most money ever paid at an auction for any sports memorabilia, period at all. More than the $9.3 million for the Diego Maradona Hand of God jersey. And he said, yeah, the money part of it is great and all, but I think the best part of it was just the journey that I had with it. The experience for my sons, my grandchildren, my family. It was fun. Oh, buddy. All right. Like, I'm going to show you his, his big, beautiful family. And now you I'm had, to get it to them. You had 31 years of the card. Right, now go take the twelve million and take yeah, your go family buy your family a house. Go How's buy that? a house. You know, like wh- if it was a signed jersey, a game worn piece of memorabilia, a talking point when you walk into the house. Like, okay, again, survey a hundred people. What would you rather have in your man cave? That the first thing you point out, a Babe Ruth bat. Or a Mickey Mantle card, you're gonna gravitate towards the bat. I mean, unless the card, unless I knew the card was worth twelve point six million dollars. No, just face value. Just looking at it, a piece of paper and a frame, or a wooden bat from the 1900s. I think that's all subjective, though. I think it's all it's like purely sentimental with this graph or with this demographic. Well, he's an idiot for regretting $12.6 million because my grandkid's going to miss the card. No, he's not. His sons might. This dude's 75. They're going to be like, Dad, why'd you fucking sell the card? Blah, blah, blah. Take the money before it crashes. It's 12.6 million. If it were like a million bucks, I'd get it, but... Silly. So, a guy found... So this, uh, you asked how this guy like got the card. Um, actually from Quincy, Mass. Guy named Ted Lodge found thousands of cards in his attic. Um, his dad worked for Tops and was a delivery driver, and he had a collection. Maybe it just fell off the truck. Who knows? Um, and then let's see. Uh, some card dealer graded the card. But then he found a bunch of other shit and he sold. I guess this guy sold it for six grand. Bought it back for 40K. Well, this went. This story's way too long. This had like a bunch of different stops. That's crazy. Wow. It just shows you how lucky you have to get with this kind of shit. 
Twelve point oh, six million. Yeah. You think in the next year we see this broken? Probably. Because you know why? There's because a guy, a guy like that had the card for 30 years in his family and someone probably approached him and was like, Hey, you can get some serious money for it. And he's like, Oh no, I know. And then like probably Googled it. and was like, well, how about 12 million? Yeah. You know, there's going to be somebody where, especially in the economy, (laughs) that is definitely a bear or bull market indicator. If baseball cards are sold and then also how much they're netted. Like, are we out of a recession that someone's paying $12 million for a Mickey Mantle card? I suppose we are. I suppose we are. Just fix the economy. But I think I think if seeing the, a news headline like that, $12 million, people are going to come out of the woodworks with some pretty, pretty cool stuff. I agree. I think that probably prompts people, maybe there's game war jerseys like the Maradona jersey, right? It's like... Uh, maybe there's but a that's ball. Like the game, like the game worn jerseys and the sports memorabilia, or specifically game worn on like big moments. There's one of them, and you know who has it. A baseball card like that, that was in a shoebox in the in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You don't know where those are going to circulate. You don't know how many storage units and and grandparents' homes that are you know they pass away and they're, 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 the kids are going through the attic and stuff. What they find. I feel like a like a game worn jersey. You know that's going to be present. Yeah, I, I get that. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's real lucky. You mentioned the recession, and that's a good segue to another business topic. Um, you can get three dollar movie tickets on Saturday. So talk about recessed markets. Um, movie theaters are really struggling, and. Obviously, it's not hard to tell why with streaming services and accessibilities and things like that. So it's National Cinema Day on Saturday. Almost every movie theater in America is going to offer $3 tickets. Um, I think movie theaters, here's my take, they're going to be packed on Saturday. Labor Day weekend? Yeah, and that's why. I think they're going to be packed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three dollars is three dollar movie tickets. To then have uh, everything hiked up on you in like con- concessions. Yeah, and then you pay seven dollars for a, a bag of Skittles. What's a, what do you think a large popcorn goes for now? Ten bucks. That's bullshit. Ten bucks. Like I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. When I can have, you can get. A bag of Orville Redenbacher popcorn for like a dollar, two dollars. That's bullshit. Ten bucks. The markup on movies are insane. <sighs> All these streaming services. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's my hot take. Movies are going to be packed. Um, totally recessed market. Hope. I mean, there's no reason. Like, I don't really. I'm not going to rush to go to the movies again. Because why would I? Everything's so expensive. Um, it's got to be like a, a really good movie that I'm looking forward to seeing. Right. And that you don't want to wait until it's out on Netflix or Prime Video. Like, I'm okay with anything that's out right now. I'll just wait to catch it on Prime Video. And I'll pay the three bucks for it. 
Like I've recently got into the Marvel stuff because of Mastriani and it's like, okay, that, that makes sense to go in like on the sooner side. Yeah. I just, I want to get into Marvel. I just don't like, I don't know where to start. That's the thing. I mean, my one day when I have nothing to do would be to go through every Marvel movie movie in order. I feel like that's such a daunting task too. Yeah. Like, so do you go in chronological order? Chronological like, order. Or? No, no, no. Not chronological release order. Chronological and timeline. See, that's what trips me up. You can Google it and it's there. Works. Yeah, you can you can Google it and it's there. Because now they have the TV shows, which again, that's like, that's not a two hour, three hour movie. That's a, that's a 10 hour week. So. Yeah. That's just throwing a big wrench. Like, you know what I've been a big fan of lately is the, is the limited, like uh, the limited series, right? It's like three hours. Usually they're broken up into episodes of an hour each. It's like, that's manageable. Cause it's like, you're watching a long movie, but it's on your terms. You can hit pause. You can, you know, walk away from it and come back to it. That's what I've been liking. I don't know. Yeah, but these- the traditional, I hate to sound like Silicon Valley, like, oh, are, are movies being disrupted by millennials? But it's kind of what it, it is. Make it cheaper to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, last topic for business is Amazon potentially with EA. Um, if you don't know EA, Electronic Arts, they make a lot of video games. They've made Madden for all these years. Um what did they make back in the day? They made MVP baseball. That was a great franchise. And then they just great shut it down. Franchise. Um, they did. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did the Tiger Woods games too. I think so. And I think those are, are not the Tiger Woods. PGA tour is back. Well, oh. yeah, that's uh 2k has got it though. They're doing PGA 2k 23. That's going to be really cool. Um, Amazon potentially will acquire EA. Uh, what do you think? Does this go through? Uh, yes. I think Amazon so. has been clamoring to get into video games. They've been I very open about it. I, I I do, and I hope it does, and I hope they actually improve the game. Not make it more expensive every year to change rosters. Right, they should make fucking Madden better. That's what they should like, do. It's not, it's not rocket science to, like, actually like make a storyline and a campaign and like oh, follow what 2k does. I don't know. It's, it's, I, is it really that hard? I don't know. It's Madden's like almost a meme at this point for people our age. Everybody's like, no, don't buy Madden. Like I wait till it's 20 bucks that following summer. That's a very good point. <laughs> You just like, play from the year before. It's a, it's the same shit. You just go download the rosters. Yeah. Every year, it's the same stuff. It's the same bugs that they don't it's, fix. It's, yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. It's they the don't same add like thing. new uniforms. They don't add right. You do a campaign. Get Spike Lee in this bitch. Like, how sick would it be if Peyton Manning was like you know, if he was like your mentor in a campaign mode? That'd be pretty dope. It ain't rocket science, I but think, people still so buy people it. That, people still buy it. I get, like, yeah. yeah. And there's so many people that have great ideas on how to improve Madden too, and they just like Madden just gives them a finger every single time, 
and that's EA Sports. But I hope Amazon does buy it, and I think they will. And it just shows their world conquer, their world domination plan, and their monopoly. So, an article said that, and it came out last week that Amazon was going to close on EA or not close, but announce their intentions last week. And they they debunked the rumor, but now people are saying like, oh, it's still in the cards. So you think it goes through? I I don't know. I hope it does. It wouldn't be leaked if it didn't go through. I think it's being discussed. I I would say what happened. I this is no. This is what I'm going to say. You go first because Mark Zuckerberg went on Rogan and has been like drawing so much immediate attention to him, and the younger generation likes Rogan. Fucking Bezos is like, okay, everyone was on my ass about iRobot and uh, the Roomba taking over the rooms. What kind of headline can I grab right now? Okay, what do people love for football season? Oh, we just acquired uh, Thursday Night Football, Madden. Madden, we're going to buy it. We're going to make EA Sports. We're going to bring back college football. We're going to do the right thing. And everyone's like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg, who? Like Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos. I mean, what the hell does Bezos care? He's not. He's not doing that shit anymore. He's making money off of it. I'm sure he is. Yeah. He still, has, sure a, he he still has a say. I'm sure he does. He still has a say. Yeah. I don't know. I My take, it's not going to go through for a couple of years. That's my take. Couple years? I'm going to say end of 2023. So next year, a year. I'll go a year and a half. I agree with you. 2023, I think, because they're just, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's, EA has been talking about getting acquired for many years now. So I think there's just the the latest evolution. Um, I don't know, but they keep uh, like popping up. It's EA and Boston Beer Company, like we talked about, they keep popping up on potential acquisition reports. See, I'm interested about Boston Beer Company because they just announced like a multi, multi, multi million dollar marketing campaign for Truly. Yeah. And I think they're, that's their issue. I think that's why they want to get acquired because it's just like, all right, Hey, let's embrace ourselves as being a, a hard seltzer company. And now we just need to focus on distribution. Um, and truly is like the worst of the bunch. You know, it's a hot take, but I think you may be right. I think you'd piss a lot of people off with that take, but you may be right. It, it's, I mean, again, now it's, it's, uh, it's, muddy waters because it's like malt seltzers versus you know vodka drinks but it's all the canned beverage that's not alcoholic hard seltzers which is just seltzer that's i saw hop water that's a thing now hop water is like getting popularity though it's all just it's yeah there's these it's lifestyle stuff it's like you want the taste you don't want to get drunk i get it I understand. Um, but that's what, yeah, that's like what Boston Beer Company wants to do. They want to get acquired. They want to have like a huge distribution company come in or something and and give it a little kick in the ass for Sam Adams and stuff like that too. Because they're private now. I think they just want like public funding. Probably. I don't know. Um. Yeah. 
Amazon EA, I say wait until next year for that. Um, I hope I'm wrong, and next week it comes out. Uh-huh. Otani just hit a home run off Garrett Cole. Great. He's the MVP. Angie Mark. I'm not getting into it. Nope. Oh, nope. No. Nope. Nope. It's a football pod. Yep. Football pod. Perfect transition to balls. Uh, we ran a Twitter and YouTube live segments um, yesterday night. Last night. I can't speak English. Um, last night on the start of college football. Um Backyard brawl coming back. Um, Notre Dame and Ohio State coming back. It's going to be a hell of a week one for college football. Uh, You can join every Wednesday on our House Enterprise Twitter channel and also on YouTube Live. Uh, We're going to be making some college football picks. The core group of us will typically be there. Um, Then we'll have some contributors from other house guests as well. Today, it is going to be... The two of us, Cole Hughes, uh, great to see him on camera too. Don't get that a lot. Great to have Cole back in the cut this year. Uh, and Sam Basil, longtime guest, longtime friend of the podcast. They're with us tonight. And Mike Gilligan, small state big takes. And Mike Gilligan did join us at the end with a with a couple of picks here. Shout out Mike Gilligan. He was commenting in the YouTube, um, slinging out all his college football takes as well. So – Let's get right to it. Here is our college football segment with Cole Hughes, Sam Basil, and a guest appearance from Mike Gilligan. I think we're live. I think we're live for the inaugural Football House presented by House Enterprise our weekly show on all things college football. We're on StreamYard, first time ever, live on Twitter, YouTube, and everywhere else. Pretty much just those two for now, but almost everywhere else. Uh, my name is Will Tondo. We're joined by Jake Zimmer, Sam Basil, and Cole Hughes. Uh, Gracie Marks is our fifth chair on this as well. She's traveling it up in Hawaii. Uh, lucky her, missing out on week one fun, but we'll enjoy. she, she will enjoy the sunshine while we'll be uh, making some bets. But gentlemen, this is it. Football season upon us. College football season is upon us. Week zero in the rear view mirror. We're on to week one. How are we doing today? Yeah, we're great. I mean, football's back, baby. It's that time of year, you know, end of August, early September. Autumn's coming. So uh, I'm fired up. Yeah, man. Hot girl fall is in full swing. Football is in full swing. And I am. You know what? It, it really hit me uh, once once those graphics came up on screen that this is probably like one of the most legit broadcast House Enterprise has done. I mean, we've got those like George Lucas screen wipes. Everyone can see the <laughs> tiny ass room. I always uh, record everything from in Queens, so it's 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 going to be a good year. Yeah, this is great stuff. Um, I I had a notoriously bad year with college football last year, so I, it's just something I can't seem to figure out. Um, but that all changes in 2022. Um, we are going to build our bankrolls and we are going to make some coin. Um, I'm manifesting it for everybody here and Gracie, of course, as well. Um, I'm excited. We're here to make some coin. 
you know, fade us, tail us, whatever you want to do. This this podcast, this live stream, we're making some money. That's the mission. That is the goal. So before we get into the picks, Zim, let's drop a format. What is this show going to be? It's not just a bunch of people talking out of their ass. We have some expertise uh, between the four of us. We've all written some uh, college college football blogs here and there, mainly Cole and Sam. But what is this show all about? Yeah, we're going to start off very simply, the locks, right? If you're a house follower, right, you've seen this on other outlets, College Hoops Digest for one, um, and some NFL content sprinkled in there as well, some NBA, some, uh, you know, obviously some hockey picks as well have been um, things that we've discussed for sure. So very simply put, we're going to do FBS and FCS locks, right? A big conversation for us was, well, we're going to do locks of the week, you know us for a lot of mid-major stuff in college basketball for sure. So we're going to straddle both sides of the line here. You'll get your your power fives, your top 25 locks of the week, of course. And then you will also get your 1AA and 1A locks as well. Um, we'll each make a couple of picks. And then we've got our game of the week this week, which, uh, we'll, which we'll get to. No spoilers here. Um, we're going to try this every week. We'll listen to your feedback. If you think uh, you know, you've got some suggestions for game of the week, we're open to them. So drop us a line on YouTube, reply on Twitter. Um, if there's a game that you want to see us pick and have it be considered for game of the week, hit us up. And that's basically what we're thinking here. Simple enough, easy enough. All right, Basil. Good, sir. With the FU hat, let's kick it off to you. Yeah, uh, wearing this, you know, because I got to represent, got to love, you know, I, I went to an FCS school. Always got, always got to represent FCS football. It's a great product. So Fordham's kicking off against Wagner tomorrow night. Uh, which, which would you like me to start with? My locks of the week. Let's go. Yeah, let's go the two locks. We'll go around the horn. All right. Uh, let me just get those up real quick. All right. So my locks of the week. My FBS is Houston minus four over UTSA. UTSA had a really good season last year. Uh, you know, cracking the top twenty-five for the first time in a long time. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to have what it takes to, you know, repeat that kind of miracle run. And four points is is is, is pretty good for a, for a Houston team that I think could really compete in the American this year. So that's my FBS lock of the week. And for FCS, you know, since I'm wearing the hat, they're kicking off tomorrow night. I got to I got to be a homer in week one. I'm going to go Fordham Rams over Wagner uh, at Rose Hill. Uh, excuse me. No, I believe I believe this one's actually going to be in, in uh, Staten Island uh, tomorrow night. Um, Trash. I know it's it's a, it's a rough one. Hey, New York City's got college football. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't realize, but you know it's it's there. And uh, I think Fordham, you know, they're 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 kind of on a on a steady increase. They got a couple guys on that team right now. Fotis Kokosoulis, uh, the wide receiver. Tim Tim Demore at the quarterback. Try to make you know one last go at it in the Patriot League and stop Holy Cross from winning a fourth consecutive. Patriot League title. It, they can't let it happen, and uh, I think this is this is just the beginning of that. So they're my FCS lock of the week. Isn't that crazy? Holy Cross! It's just a football dynasty. I think was it UConn they beat last year? It was. So I believe cool. so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's UConn, but still, you know, yeah, like a win, a win, a, a win against a, a, a much bigger program. Uh, it's one of those things, right? The Patriot League is a competitive conference within itself, but a lot of teams that do end up coming out of it don't really make it too far in the FCS playoffs. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. It, it, it'll be it'll be very interesting. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. 
How are we feeling about those? Just excitement, or are we actually going to win some coin? No, I'm locking it in. I'm locking it in. Fordham over Wagner tomorrow night, and Houston minus four over UTSA. I like the Houston. I'm excited because it's going to win. I think the Houston pick's a good pick. I think, uh, you know, they're a good team. Uh, You know, every year, year in and out, they put up some points, and no one really talks about them, but I think they could have another good year. So I I like Houston minus four. Uh, I think that's a solid pick that could win you some cash. Yeah, they're always kind of floating. They're always like a, uh, you know, a consistent top 25 team, but they never really, they're never really able to like float past that, like, top 15 mark so you know i think i think they'll want to come out strong this year all right cole let's swing it over to you all righty well i guess i'll start with my fbs lock of the week so my fbs lock is going to be oklahoma state uh they're playing central michigan at home in stillwater oklahoma uh really like ok state this week uh they are favored by 21 and a half that is kind of a lot for you know, Central Michigan had a, a great year last year. They, they were uh, MAC uh, West co-champions, and, you know, they, they had a good run, but I just think Oklahoma State's going to be too much for them at home. Uh, you know, their coach, Mike Gundy, he's going for his 150th career win uh, when they play this weekend. So, you know, there's only three other active coaches in college football that have 150 wins, and that's Nick Saban, Kirk Ferentz out of Iowa, and Davo. So, I mean, if he can join um, that group, that's pretty special. So I think they'll try to get the win uh, for him. Oklahoma State, they've won 26 in a row, home openers. Uh, I don't see them losing to Central Michigan this year uh, and breaking that streak. So, uh, you know, they had a great run last year, won the Fiesta Bowl, uh, lost in the Big 12 championship game against Baylor, but it's close but I expect them to kind of route Central Michigan uh, this week. So I'm locking them in at 21 and a half. Uh, FCS picks. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting game. I think it'll, it might be high scoring, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. For the FCS, I have Stanford at home against Colgate University uh, out of New York. Uh, there is no spread as of right now. They haven't come up with a line just too early in the week. But uh, regardless, I think Stanford's going to smack them around. You know, Colgate, they've been a really good team in FCS play uh, over history. But, you know, the last couple of years they've been struggling. Uh, they had a, a down year last year. Uh, they went uh, – they opened against Boston College last season and lost 51 to nothing at BC. So – I think Stanford being a Pac-12 team, they're probably a little higher caliber than Boston College. Uh, they've also been struggling the last couple seasons, but I expect David Shaw to uh, turn that team around. He's been, you know, he's proven in the past. He's a great coach. Uh, you have these teams, UCLA, USC, that are leaving the Pac-12. So it's kind of who's going to be the the big dog in the Pac-12 once they leave. And I think Stanford is is up for that that title. So I'm going to take Stanford over Colgate uh, for my FCS lock. Pac-12, um, kind of wild. Year of, I don't know, just so much change. Uh, conference realignments and stuff. I I kind of love that. It's like, you know, can Stanford be – anything goes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, can Stanford be the team that goes and takes the number one for the next few years? I don't know. With all the change, maybe now's never been a better time to recruit and 
you know, it's been a historic powerhouse. So, so I'm kind of with that. Yeah. The last couple of years, you know, Oregon and Washington, they've been kind of the, you know, the top tier teams in the PAC 12, but you know, I think Stanford, uh, you know, they've proven in years past that they can be there. They can play in the PAC 12 championship game. They can, you know, make it to a Rose bowl type of game and, uh, you know, look for them to kind of bounce back this season, I think. All solid stuff. All solid stuff. Zimmer, take us away at number three. Okay. Lock of the week. I thought long and hard about this one. Uh, Clemson is going to Georgia Tech. It is going to be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's technically, I guess, a Georgia Tech home game. And the line is minus 22 for the Clemson Tigers, and I am taking it. That's my lock of the week. Um, this was weird because you guys remember Clemson lost game one last year against Georgia. They took a little bit, right? I think they won like 49-3 to three the next week. But week three was Georgia Tech at Clemson, and the Tigers only won 14-8. to eight. So I was like, crap, I'm not sure about this. But – my answer goes to the quarterback, that's DJ Uyunglele, and he had a really crappy year last year. Um, he was potentially going to win the Heisman. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, hey, this could be the year for him. And then he ranked 15th in the ACC in passing efficiency. Guess how many teams are on the ACC? There's 14 of them. So he was on the outside looking in. There was a backup quarterback that ranked a little bit higher in that rank than him. Um, I believe he's got it back. He worked his tail off in training this year. You should see what his teammates are saying about him, that this is the best he's looked. Um, you know, he's out to prove a lot of people wrong, and he's the reason why I think this could be another route. Um, that add a little skin in the game that Georgia Tech uh, nearly stunned him last year. I think we've got ourselves a lock, boys, so... I'm going to take Clemson minus 22 over Georgia Tech this week. Um, thought about that a lot. Um, I like that. You know, I think with these neutral site games, right, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you said, I think players get fired up for those type of games, right? I mean, let alone it's week one, you're going to be fired up no matter what. But if you're playing at a neutral site at a stadium like that, I think Clemson's going to want to ball out. And I think they're going to want to make a statement early this year because – you know, last year they kind of had a bad year. Um, you know, over the last five or so seasons, they've been national championship contenders every year. Last year they just they they couldn't get it together uh, with their freshman quarterback. But I agree. I think he bounces back this season. I think he has a good year, and I think they start out on the right foot against Georgia Tech. Yeah, and that's even – it's so weird because it's a neutral site game, right, but it's in Georgia Tech's backyard. Um, you know, you've got the Atlanta – groups coming but i mean clemson's everywhere so those are that's going to be one of those that it's very split you know the clemson fans are going to travel out they're going to pack that place up neutral site game in that kind of stadium man i i'm fired up for that too um yeah it'll be interesting to see how many fans like from each side come you know whether it's more clemson people or georgia tech it'll be interesting to uh, see. yeah i don't know i feel like clemson's going to show out just because i feel like there's more are there more Clemson students than Georgia Tech? I really don't know. Certain, certainly more that care more about football. Yeah. Than that. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Um, we'll move to FCS. I'm taking Akron. Minus 14 over St. Francis, Pennsylvania. I really think we've got uh, two NEC games 
yeah, you've got a Wagner football and then uh, St. Francis. And very simple with my logic here, guys. Akron went 2-10 and 10 last year, right? They weren't that great. But guess what? They beat Bryant by 21 points. I mean. <laughs> Bryant beat St. Francis by one. Very simply put, I'm using the transitive property to put Akron as, what is it? Is it 14 over St. Francis? And I think, you know, with those early games, are guarantee games, right? So Akron's buying out, um, you know, the red flash. Um, that's one that I just think Akron's going to have their way with them, right? It usually takes a couple of weeks for these NEC teams to figure out, you know, to get their wits, to understand what their offensive schemes are going to be and how to penetrate an elite or, you know, top-tier defense like Akron. Um, I think this is going to be – this could get ugly. This is one that could get really ugly. So 14, uh, 14 points Akron's getting. I'm all over it. Good logic. Transitive <laughs> property. You brought out some some middle school science on us. And, uh, Not all I'm good you for. know, yes. as three proud Brian alumni, uh, they just transitioned into a new conference. I don't know if we can use that as the example, but I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I will buy it. Well, what do you got? What are your picks this week? All right. Well, I had to start off with an absolute heater, an absolute upset as a lock. Rutgers going up to Boston College. They are seven-point underdogs. There is a little bit of some quarterback uncertainty for Rutgers, but I cannot see Greg Schiano losing to Boston College especially with the gauntlet of a schedule that they have in the Big Ten. I have them as my lock, straight-up winner, and I have them as plus seven as the pick. Boston College is so overrated in football. This is not the years of the Matt Ryans and the Luke Keekleys. Let's be honest. They are not that good. I am very surprised that they are plus money, plus seven underdogs right now. I think they win by two touchdowns. So that Whoa. is my... That is my FBS lock. That's bold. I will say that's bold. Uh, I know growing up in Boston, I've always followed Boston College. Unfortunately, you know, they're not a huge football powerhouse like they probably should be uh, being in the city of Boston. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This game, I don't know if I'd touch it. You know, anything could happen. Uh, I think BC should win. But, you know, they just find ways to lose like no other team in the country. Uh, you know, last year they had so many games that they should have won, uh, had it in the bag, and they just found a way to blow it. So, I mean, it is bold, but I could see it happening. I mean, the way my brain's working on this one is it's more embarrassing if Rutgers loses this than – I'm sorry – What's more on the line, Rutgers losing this game or BC winning it? I have it as Rutgers losing it. You cannot go in as Greg Schiano losing to Boston College when you have to play teams like Penn State, Purdue. You know, it's that's where I'm a little fishy. So I like that as my first one. Over on the other side for my lock, it's an O2, my former home and my current home in Long Island and Rhode Island. I have URI and Stony Brook, and I have the over at 47 and a half. Now, the last five games for each of them, so 10 games total last season, they overhit nine times out of 10. 
The only outlier was a 28 to three Rhode Island win against UNH. Everything else, the over surpassed. So I'm going to take that as my over. I did not know who to pick on that. I'm not fluent in URI or Stony Brook football. So I'll take the over. Um, Heading over to the straight up picks. The first one is Penn State minus three against Purdue. I'm a big Nittany Lion guy. I love the atmosphere that Penn State brings. They're 15, three and one all time since 1993 in this series. Um, Penn State is bringing back one of their lead rushers in Kayvon Lee. And with that, Purdue's defense let up at over 150 rushing yards per game. So I like that. I mean, it's only a three point spread, which I mean, again, those are two very competitive teams for the Big Ten. I like Penn State minus three and a half. My apologies. Um, The second one, NC State minus 11 and a half. Um, They were one of the top teams last year uh, in their division, and they're returning everybody. They're returning everybody, and I am definitely a sucker for recent biasy stats. Now, NC State, the last time, they're 2-2 two and two against ECU, against East Carolina, um, all time. But the last two meetings under the same head coach, North Carolina State won both of those games by a margin of 92-9. to nine. I wow. cannot see Wolfpack have a big target on their back this year, a loss to – a loss and not even covering against East Carolina would be pretty detrimental start to the season. So I like the minus set, uh, minus 11 and a half. I also agree with Cole for um, Oklahoma state minus 21 and a half. Really loving that pick. And then, like I said, the Rutgers plus seven was my additional. Okay. Very interesting. So I'm going to, that's a good transition. Now I, I also had NC state over East Carolina, simply put, Last year, you look at what they did. I think uh, who they played first, it was South Florida. And I get it. Different years, different personnel, all that stuff. They won 45 nothing, right? First game of the year, NC State's ranked 13. Everybody's back. That's, uh, to me, that's not, even a, that's not even a second thought. So lock it in, uh, minus 11-4 for NC State. Uh, I'm going to save my other pick. Uh, to open up a larger conversation once everyone's done. Um, hint, Mike Gilligan in the comments, you're correct. It's a backyard brawl. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to go with LSU minus three over Florida State for my other pick as well. Um, it is day one of the Brian Kelly era, and he's going to ditch his fake Southern accent and he's going to rock Florida State. Um, I don't know. I, I, It's one of those years that I truly do believe in Brian Kelly. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, – I, I don't know. He, You saw what he did at Notre Dame, and obviously Notre Dame was good when he came. He replaced Charlie Weiss, who was a good coach, right? It was in the thick of the Manti Teo era. That team was just so good. Um, I think – He'll be okay. I think he may have some tough losses as the years go on. I think he's going to start the the year off on the right foot. I think the personnel is there. I think LSU's got um, you know, pretty dangerous offense this year, it appears. So give me minus three over Florida State. I think Florida State's going to be pretty good as well, but I don't think they're winning uh, against the Tigers on day one uh, this week as well. Then we'll save the backyard brawl for later. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think LSU, um, you know, having Brian Kelly, bringing him in, uh, you know, getting rid of Coach O, there was, was a big statement a year coming off after winning the championship. Um, and to bring in someone like Brian Kelly, that's, you know, that's big. And, you know, like you, like you said, Jake, he had a lot of success at Notre Dame. I mean, he didn't win the big time games against, you know, big time opponents. Yes, but you know, look at his track record, even before he was at Notre Dame when he coached at Cincinnati. The guy's a proven winner, uh, and now he's in the SEC, which is the best conference in college football. Um, they can recruit. They have the best facilities. It's Football is a religion in Louisiana, right? So I, I think that's going to uh, fare out well for him. And I yeah, think I mean, he went 92-39 and 39 at Notre Dame, right? So this is a guy that I don't want to bet against right now. I, I understand it's really trendy and hip to say, like, wow, this guy's a fraud. Right, and he I mean, the fake Notre accent Dame. didn't help. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will be the first to agree with that. That was ridiculous. That or the dancing video in a circle. The accent, he was like grinding up on his player like that. The recruit. That yeah, was weird. That's, that's weird. It's objectively <laughs> weird, and the fake accent is probably even weirder. Uh, but hopefully, it's just a phase. Um, hopefully, he was just very excited about going to Louisiana, and come out and punch the uh, the Seminoles in the in the mouth for week one. I think we're going snake draft. So I think it's, is it Cole? Yeah, I think it's Cole's turn. I fucked up. I blacked out and was so excited to say my pick. So, <laughs> so we're going snake draft. <laughs> we're going snake All draft. Right, I'm up. So yeah, I have three, three picks this week. So I'm going to uh, piggyback off of one of Will's picks. Penn State uh, minus three points against Purdue. Uh, you know, like Will said, they've been pretty dominant in that series uh, since the 90s. And I read something today, actually, that they've won nine in a row uh, against Purdue coming into this year. So they're looking for 10 straight wins. I think they'll get that. Um, you know, another team that really didn't have a great year last year. They were kind of middle of the pack. Uh, I think going into the year, everyone was expecting them to be you know, a contender for the the uh, college football playoff, and they just didn't live up for it. So I think they bounced back this year. I think they have a good year. They brought in a new defensive coordinator, uh, Manny Diaz, who was the head coach at Miami the last couple of years. Uh, he has a lot of background and history as a D.C., so I think that will bode well for them, and uh, I think they come out and beat Purdue uh, in week one. So take them, minus three. Uh, my second pick uh, is going to be South Carolina against Georgia State. So South Carolina, 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I like that. Uh, they're at home. Uh, I think they're going to do pretty well against Georgia State. Uh, Jadavion Clowney's coming back week one. They're retiring his number. So there's going to be people fired up in that place. Uh, they're going to want to play well. And they have their new quarterback, Spencer Rattler, from Oklahoma that transferred there. Uh, we saw what he could do when he was in uh, Oklahoma with the Sooners. And, you know, I expect him to, you know, bring a lot of talent, but leadership also to that program. And I think uh, they, they take on Georgia State and beat them. So we'll say South Carolina, 12 and a half. And then my third pick is going to be Louisville versus Syracuse. Uh, Louisville's travel into the Carrier Dome. Uh, they're four and a half point favorites. I'm going to take that. They've been dominating Syracuse the last couple of years that they've played them. You know, last year they beat them 41 to three. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that big of a blowout this year, uh, but 
you know, they're looking to extend their win streak to four games. I think they're able to do it, and I think they cover the four and a half. So we'll take Louisville over Syracuse. Those are my picks for the week. I love betting against Syracuse. It's my one of my favorite things. It's so ever. easy. It's so easy. <laughs> but here's the thing. ATS, Syracuse is 10 and 4. Last year. Last year, they were 10 and 4. So I uh, I love it because I love degrading Syracuse. And I think they will lose this game. Yes, they will lose this game by a lot, hopefully. But the data shows that, like, that might not be a good idea, which is crazy. Is that nuts? Like, I just looked it up now. Syracuse football hey, gets spread. It's risky, but hey, you gotta you gotta kind of sometimes play with the water, you know? Like, the, their losses are bad. I mean, they took a. We're just talking about NC State. They lost forty-one to seventeen last year. Um, what else? Uh, they had some bad losses last year. Yeah. Oh, and last year uh, it was forty-one to three at Louisville. They lost. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So, so like, they got blown out last year. I mean, it helps that they're at home for sure, uh, but I think that's really the only thing they got going for them heading into that game. Fuck the carrier dome. <laughs> just because. Is Syracuse just even good at any sports anymore? Not like they used to be, man. I'm gonna, that. Is that a hot? Is that a hot take? I I think that's reasonable. Lacrosse like isn't that great, and that was their not pride. This big bag. Yeah, there's not this big bad team in, in Orange anymore. No, even basketball. Like Getting some like, like I'm sorry if it, their soccer team or something or like field hockey is really good. I don't yeah, know. Racquetball national champs. Yeah, I'll just yeah, we'll preemptively apologize as a group if we're omitting like a nationally ranked Syracuse team. Sorry. <laughs> All right, I think it's over to Sam. All right. Yeah, so I got three picks. Uh, you know, three three pretty good ones, I think. Uh, first one, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a two-parter if you want to kind of parlay this. It's Oregon to cover plus 17, Georgia to win. There's a lot of really interesting, uh, you know, kind of threads going into this into this Oregon Georgia game. Obviously, Oregon, you know, they're they're entering the the the, the season ranked, uh, you know, as as the Pac-12 kind of evolves and and USC and UCLA move to the Big Ten and you know make the Big Ten the first bi-coastal conference in in, in college sports, which is which is pretty crazy. Uh, I think Oregon is going to try to you know kind of move in there as one of those big powerhouses, and they got to do that by getting some good wins against other you know, outside power five schools. Like we saw last year against Ohio state where they pretty much killed Ohio state's playoff chances in, in, in week two and in, in a, in one of the best games of the year, 35, 28 win. And going into this year against Georgia, uh, their head coach, Dan Lanning was the defensive coordinator last year on the national championship winning team. So while, you know, he doesn't necessarily have Georgia's playbook, he knows how these guys tick. He he. Oops, sorry, I'm just got something pop up on my computer. Uh, he knows how these guys tick. He's going to be able to run, you know, certain schemes that are that are going to be effective against this against this defense. And you've got transfer Bo Nix from Auburn taking the helm of the Georgia team. So two guys with a lot of SEC experience playing against a very strong Georgia team that you know. Wall strong, I think they did kind of take a hit on defense with a lot of guys leaving. So it's going to be close. I think I think a double digit 
uh, spread against Oregon is a little disrespectful to what I think this this Ducks team can bring. But it's it's perfect for anybody who wants to bet on this game because I, I mean I would I would hammer that that spread. I mean a lot of people are saying you know Oregon can 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 win this by like or you know a lot of people are saying they can win but you know I think I think the margin's going to be something like a 31-27 game or something like that. It's good it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. My next one uh, I'm going to stick with some SEC teams a little bit. That's going to be Florida plus three over Utah. Right now, we're kind of seeing a bit of a shift in the SEC. I mean, one, they're they got a home opener in the swamp. It's it's really hard to bet against any Florida team that's opening at home. Vibes are going to be high. And uh, while I don't think they're going to be the best team in the SEC this year, I don't really think they're going to be a contender for the conference championship. This is by just raw athletic ability one of the most talented Florida teams we've seen in a very long time, and I think that's going to be centered around Anthony Richardson. Uh, they're they're talented, they're deep, they're athletic, and they're going to be able to contend, especially against a team like Utah. They're going to be flashy, um, and their defense is really good. I mean, they only allowed, or I'm sorry, well, their defense is good, but their offensive line is incredible. They only allowed 14 sacks in 2021, the fifth fewest in FBS. So not only is Anthony Richards, you know, He's able to get out of the pocket. He's able to run. He's able to, you know, get the ball downfield. He's going to have a lot of protection and a lot of time to work and get their offensive game plan through. So taking them plus three is is pretty much a no-brainer, in my opinion. Um, this one is – I'm not going to lie. I'm going to put some money on this, but I'm going to be sweating it out pretty much the entire game. And that's since he plus six over Arkansas. Uh, you know, they obviously came into the college. They, they, they were challenging for a spot in the college football playoff for two years. They finally made it. I wouldn't say they got, like, embarrassed against Alabama because we kind of knew that they were going to come into the college football playoff and kind of get bounced by a, a much more talented team, even though they deserve to be there. Uh, and I think they don't want to lose – they don't want to get blown out by two talented SEC programs, you know, bookending, you know, their off season. As well, you know, while, while I think, you know, Desmond Ritter being in, in the in NFL now kind of, you know, has them take a hit offensively, this Arkansas team, while good, is kind of a one-trick pony offense. Their, their run game is incredibly strong, and they're going to rely on that way too much. So if you can kind of keep them down and, you know, maybe tire them out a little bit early on in the game, I think you'll be able to compete and get a nice six, six-and-a-half point cover. I would take that up to, like, if if it if it shifts anywhere closer to like five and a half, stop. I I would I would take it like in the six to six and a half range, and th- and those are my three picks. Yeah, I really like the Oregon pick. Uh, like you said, I'm glad you brought up Dan Lanning, Lanning um, being the head coach out there. I think that's a huge X factor. Uh, obviously, I think Georgia beats them just because Georgia's coming off the national championship. They're a great team. Uh, I like them to be in the college football playoff again this year, but I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't, I don't think they're going to cover. Uh, I think Oregon, you know, they're, they're known uh, over the last 10, 20 years for their explosive offenses. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Kirby smart and his defense handles that. And, you know, I think it's going to be a really good game that, that Saturday game. That's a hell of a way to start off the, 
<laughs> start off the season two Absolutely. two programs like that. And I, I do love when it, 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 it shakes out like that. Like we were talking about before the stream, how Alabama was playing Utah state. Like obviously Alabama was going to win. I mean, knock on wood, 99.9% chance, but having a, a competition like that, where Georgia, you know, Georgia should win that game. It's still going to be competitive. Yeah, I mean, we're spoiled this week, week one. You have, you know, games like Georgia and Oregon, and then you have games like Notre Dame and Ohio State. Like, that's awesome. That is week one. It's You're getting thrown right into the fire, and I, I love everything about that. Yeah, if I'm Dan Lanning, honestly, and, you know, this is, this is you know, half joke because, you know, I don't really think, you know, a, a college coach should take the spread into consideration, but you know, I'm, I, I would look at that, that 10 point underdog favorite or, or, you know, 10 point underdog spread. And I would like, honestly tape that on everyone's locker. You know what I mean? Cause I think, I think putting Oregon, another power five school as uh, a double digit underdog against Georgia, even though they're the national championship, the national champions is, is definitely underwriting them to start off this season. So criminal, I think, criminal. yeah, taking that is, 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 is going to be a huge, achievement for this Oregon team. Crazy stuff. Um, all right. Now we get to talk about some real interesting stuff. This is a rekindling of a really crazy rivalry. The backyard brawl. And I have never heard of the backyard brawl. I can't even say it right before today. Uh, this is back in the days when I, I did not watch college football um really a lot but the backyard brawl Pitt and west virginia one of the most storied rivalries across all sports they do it in basketball they've done it um in soccer they've done it women's basketball and football obviously uh, just going back to 1895 when west virginia won eight nothing um yeah, this is this is really historic stuff that we're getting. Uh, and after 11 years off too, this has not been played since 2011. Um, it's a shame, to the, a shame to the blue collar community. It's coal versus it's coal versus steel. And this should be, it should be always happening in my opinion. Oh, God. this is something we didn't know we needed. So uh, this will be our rivalry game this week. Um, we have a really interesting line. And it is plus seven and a half for West Virginia. So Pitt's favored by 7.5. Um, Pitt is ranked to start off this year. Pitt has a very good roster, and they could contend to be in a, a pretty high bowl game if the projections are what they are. Um, and people forget, very slept on fact, Pitt and West Virginia were both in the Big East together. And that was when they stopped playing that game in 2011, uh, when they both left the conference. Um, I mean, this has generated just so much over the years, right? Uh, Pat McAfee, you just heard him talking this week about how he missed a chip shot field goal to lose in 2007. And like on a dark and serious note, like he was contemplating suicide. Like it was that, like he had West Virginia fans like giving him death threats and stuff. They care about this game so much. It brings out the best of people. It brings out the worst, and we're going to make some wagers on it. So that's one of my picks today, and I guess I'll start things off. It's going to be West Virginia plus 7.5. There's a very there's two reasons, I think, why I gravitated towards this. Number one, 
is that four of the last five backyard brawls have been decided by four points or less. West Virginia had a throttling for one year. I think it was, uh, when was that? That was 2010. They won 35 to 10. But other than that, looking at scores like 13 to 9, 19 to 15. Um, you know, history, I guess you can sort of toss it out the window after 11 years, but I just keep coming back to it. Um, that's the big point. And also, I'm a big JT Daniels guy. Um, Will shaking his head. I believe in him. <laughs> Where's the, we need like a mid hotkey. Mid! I gotta um, start adding that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Gilly's telling me no, not West Virginia. Um, I mean, he's I right. It's I not the Geno Smith days anymore or Tavon Austin. I mean, they're not gonna come out and ball out. Pittsburgh's gonna Pittsburgh's gonna win at home, I think, and I think they'll cover the seven and a half. I don't know. I think it's someone needs to lose in the first game that it's not Heinz field. It's Ackershore stadium. And I'm, if you can't tell I'm a very big, you know, Hey, the omen is what it is. Uh, someone's going to have to pay the price for the Heinz logo coming off the field. And it's going to be pit. We'll Roll see. Mountaineers. It's, it's not the Steelers who are still are still struggling to name a week one starter, <laughs> which is wild, which yeah. is, which is wild. I know. I don't get that. That's so weird. They well, were trying to. I think they're trying to. But I think they're just trying to see how what they can get for a Mitch or a Mason Rudolph, because they already know who the guy is. I, that that's a good take. I think also. Um, did you guys see the Steelers? Totally unrelated. The Steelers, all their games are in the Eastern Time Zone this, uh, this yes. year. Yes. Well, I saw you guys tweet about it today on on, on the on the BBB no, uh, Twitter, which is which is yeah. that, that no jet lag. Sense. No jet lag. I don't know. Hey, it's brilliant. I, I also think it's BS, though. It's BS. <laughs> Imagine if the Steelers go 17 or 17 and 0. I'm going to quit watching football. Yeah. <laughs> Something you would never hear the out. end of it. Steelers fans would never. Uh, that. <laughs> but that's it. So that's my pick for the backyard brawl. Um, I just think don't sleep on the Mounties. The Mounties aren't going to have, they might not have a great year. I think they could start it off with beaten pit. That would be nice. That's all. I think they cover the spread. I think seven and a half is attainable, but I like Pittsburgh. And I shook my head at JT Daniels, uh, not only because, I mean, again, once a five-star prospect, um, five-star recruit, bounced around from USC to Georgia. This is now a new home. It's a big game to start off your career in as a, as a Mountaineer. But I like Pitt's defense more than J, uh, Daniels' success with West Virginia's offense. So last year, Pittsburgh uh, was second nationally with close to four sacks per game. Um, under Narduzzi, Pitt is 22 and one, where they have at least four sacks and five and oh last season when that occurred. So if the defense can get on West Virginia, who does not have the strongest line um, in particularly, I think they win this game. But I do yeah. think the line should be. I think the line is definitely inflated. It should be closer to three, three and a half. Yeah, I, agree. Agree. I think this would cause me much more skepticism if it were at three and a half or even four points, right? I think that's that's where I'm at with this. I think I'm very tempted. Um, you know, the Mounties, I don't know. I just don't think uh, the whole Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels saga, I don't really know, like, 
you know, obviously everyone loved the Stetson Bennett story last year. It was like this guy worked his tail off. He, um, you know, he stuck with the program. He, I guess, was a walk-on, right, to start off or something like that. Um, The circumstances are unclear. I forgot. But um, I don't know. I thought Daniels had it in the bag. um, And hopefully the change of scenery is what he's going to need to have a good year. So um, he wants a bowl game, too. I think uh, by my count, one, two. Yeah, if you count the national championship, he's got three rings. Uh, for bulls, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go on the limb and say he gets it together. I am going to go against you on this one, Jake. I just think Pitt being at home, uh, they're being ranked. I think if they lose or it's a tight game against West Virginia Week One, they probably lose that ranking or it goes down significantly. So uh, I'm gonna take them by ten. I think Pitt. I think Pitt covers. Uh, I'm gonna say Pitt wins by ten. Wow. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going the same way. I think right now the biggest factor for me is uh, West Virginia's like – they've got like kind of a weak, uh, inexperienced secondary unit, and I think that's going to be really tough for them. I know Pitt's coming in with a new quarterback, so that's obviously a big change for them. But if they can get the run game established very early and just kind of, you know, find openings, I think covering – I I you know, you guys you guys are saying that, that – that a seven and a half is being a bit too generous to Pitt. I think it's 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 about as fair as you can get, if not a little bit too generous to me. I think it's going to be like a like a nine like a seven to nine point game. So I'm, I'm going to take Pitt to cover and Pitt to win. All right, we shall see. <laughs> we shall see the backyard brawl, first rivalry. Yeah, first rivalry. Sweet. I'm just so pumped that it's coming back. I mean, like, like I said, brings out the best, brings out the absolute worst. Um, gets pretty trashy out in Morgantown and that Pittsburgh, like West Virginia belt. So the blue collar battle. That's what I'm saying. The blue yeah, collar. It's battle. only uh, 75 miles between the two schools, which is which is pretty cool. Wow. That I, that was like shocking to me when I found that out. It's like, yeah. wow, when people go to games in Morgantown, they just like fly to Pitt most of the time. Either Pitt yeah, or Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. It's actually true. I mean, maybe it's just shocking because we're all just, you know, not brushed up on our geography. Yeah. No. <laughs> Went to school for business, not geography. Yeah. <laughs> all set. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's great that it's back, Jake. Like you said, I mean, that's the best part about college football, right, is these rivalries that we get, these traditions. And, you know, that's what fires people up. And I think having that back is, uh, you know, great for not only the Pitt fans and – West Virginia fans, but for college football as a whole. So looking forward to it. I think my goal is to go to a game at West Virginia, just like any game. I want to be part of country roads. I guess Pitt sings Sweet Caroline too. So you'll get that at, at Akersure Fields, whatever you want to call it. Cool game day experiences there. We'll yeah, definitely have to do one day a Mount Rushmore of like game day experiences because last year when Michigan did Mr. Brightside, I was I was feeling it. I yeah. was feeling it, and that and I love when Penn State does the whiteout. But the Mister Brightside at Michigan might have taken over as the number one for me. Yeah, I would also cast a vote for Wisconsin's jump, jump around. Yeah, that was that's, that's that. a good one. I think yeah, we're gonna have to come they back. Play to that Tom Petty. They play Tom Petty in uh, Gainesville. That fires people up too. Who Wisconsin? No, in uh, Florida they play oh, Tom Petty. Florida, nice. Yeah. We were so, deprived. A good football atmosphere. Both of us, both of our, our schools, yeah. Brian and Fordham. Basketball was there it's at, but 
man, a football game, that would have been something else. Hey, it was pretty fun watching. One of the best Bryant football moments of recent years was at Fordham. And it was a walk-off field goal by then walk-on Luke Sempiri. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And he just walked it up. He kicked it. It was like probably 40 yards out right down the pipe. He got a scholarship the next summer. And we basked in the tears of, uh, of Fordham Rams. Sorry. My sorry, own Diesel. tears. Yeah. You're, we bath, we took a bath in your, your tears of, uh, of football else. I got to say though, it was my, my first two years at Fordham were Chase Edmonds last two years, uh, at Fordham, you know, the, you know, now, now on the Miami dolphins, he was on the Cardinals for, for a while. Uh, it was pretty fun watching him just absolutely like, light up Patriot League defenses. I mean, the, the, like, he, he, he was like, it was the perfect setting for him. So, you know, it, it, I would say I had a pretty decent football experience. And we, uh, now we can say we got one full year of Lions wide receiver Tom Kennedy at Bryant. Yeah, they just cut him, unfortunately. Oh, He's shit. getting re-signed to their practice squad. Yeah. He's re-signed <laughs> to the practice squad. Well, nice. He tore it up in the preseason. I was actually surprised that they let him go because he – I mean, I don't know if you guys are what, have been watching Hard Knocks, but they haven't really been covering him, but they show, like, highlights of their preseason games, and he's been tearing it up. I'm like, why would you cut him? Well, he's, he's the poster boost. boy of uh, all the ads now, too, which really yeah. sucks. But, hey, he's on the practice squad. It's okay. I mean, they, they should keep him on the practice squad because if they don't, some other team, you know Bill Belichick's probably keeping an eye on that. You know, I uh, love the cross players. Uh, yeah, cross. Exactly. <laughs> that could be a great fit. So I think it, it's, it's now up to college game day, which, I mean, that's actually, if there's an atmosphere, now before we go to the college game day, if there's an atmosphere I want to experience, it's any college game day. Hell and yeah. like, camping out at 4 a.m. just to be on TV with a crazy sign. Um, but we'll, we'll save that. But it's college game day. What a matchup. Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, I mean, Cole, let's kick it off to you first because these are two teams that could arguably both make the college football playoffs one of the other. Um, there's a lot to prove on you know both nationally ranked teams. What are you looking at? What do you like? What are you going with? Yeah, so like I said earlier, I mean, it's great that week one we get to have these games, but it also sucks, right? Because you have two top five teams and one of them has to lose. And, you know, then they have to crawl and fight their way back to try and get into the college football playoff. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's awesome that we get to start out with that. Uh, Obviously, Ohio State is unbelievable. They're a great team. Uh, I think a lot of people are picking them to potentially win it all this year, which very well could happen. But I'm a Notre Dame guy through and through as much pain as they make me endure. Uh, I have to go with Notre Dame in this game. Uh, You know, they have the new coach, Marcus Freeman. It's going to be his first regular season game. Interested to see, uh, you know, how that era kind of goes. Obviously, we spoke at good length about Brian Kelly and his time at Notre Dame. You know, he did a good job, but it wasn't great, right? He never he never got to the, the fighting Irish to the top of the mountain. So, you know, hopefully Marcus Freeman can kind of turn that around uh, and come out week one and upset uh, Ohio State and beat them. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, but I think 
Notre Dame is going to have to stop C.J. Stroud and their new phenomenon wide receiver, JSN. Uh, I think if they can shut them down and, you know, eliminate big plays that uh, I think that they can take it. So I'm going to take Notre Dame, even though this might not be the popular choice. I'm going to take them to win 28-24. Hey, he's uh, he's an Ohio State alumni, too. So it's a big win. And that also, I think it's disrespectful as hell that it's a 17 and a half point spread. Well, that's another thing, too, that, you know, I forgot to mention. So, I mean, 17 and a half points, right? So we talked about Oregon and Georgia being that big and Oregon feeling slighted. Well, Notre Dame, they're a top five team. How, how do you think they're going to feel? And all they've been hearing for the last couple of years is, you know, Notre Dame's reign is over. They're not a powerhouse. You know, they're not the Notre Dame of the 70s and the 80s or even way back when. You know, they shouldn't be in the same discussion as Alabama, Clemson, all these other powerhouse teams. And I, I feel like the disrespect is getting to them. And I think they're going to they're going to come out and ball out. I can uh, I can go next here. I, I just think there's there is something to me. I don't think that you can bet against CJ Stroud right now. Um, and I say this because he is right now, I would argue I'm looking at this Heisman favorite list. I think there's, if the projections are true, he's miles better than Bryce young. And <clears throat> if that's the case, that's going to be a really scary offense. And I'm concerned, right? I think you just had two or it was it two or three wide receivers that, I uh, just got drafted for Ohio State. Um, you know, you've got Chris Olave that was uh, carving guys up with his speed and his quickness and agility. Um, JSN, who knows, right? But if that connection works in those first couple of runs, I am scared for what this game can become. Um, Ohio State, we talk about game day experiences. What a tough place to win in Columbus. Oh, my God. That's like... I don't know when Ohio state is when they have a respectable offense. I mean, it, God help you because you're, you're not going to win in uh, in Columbus, Ohio. So I will give Notre Dame the respect they deserve. I will say the final score here is going to be 30 to 27 Ohio state. So I think Notre Dame covers, I think uh, they make it close. I think Ohio state's going to beat them though. And I think they're going to do it by a slim margin. And it's strictly because of CJ Stroud. And I think he's going to have an excellent year. Right after we're done here, I'm going to go place a future on him to win the Heisman because I think that uh, I, I, I'm i really bullish on him this year. I agree. I do think he's going to win the Heisman as well, but I think Notre Dame upsets him. Yeah, I agree with you, Cole. I had them to win uh, tomorrow as well, or on Saturday as well. Uh, for me, I've got it 31-24, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I did get into Ohio State. Notre Dame did decline me, so I feel like I should be rooting for the Buckeyes in this scenario. But I, I don't know. I just there's just a lot going into this Notre Dame season that I I, I really like about them. I mean, a you know they're playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, uh, you know, you know with their coach leaving and uh, with this new quarterback. I, I think I think it's going to be a very interesting test to see how he does this season because you know he's he's a bit inexperienced. He's a bit green. But he's got a really good receiving staff around him. Obviously, got Lorenzo Styles, uh, tight end Michael Mayer, and Chris Tyree. Lorenzo Styles 
uh, caught for 100 yards in the Fiesta Bowl last year. I mean, I think that's incredibly impressive. So as long as they, they can get open and they can, you know, they can kind of kind of help their their younger quarterback, I think they'll have no problem, uh, you know, showing up against Ohio State. So, yeah, so Notre Dame 31-24. I have the same score prediction, 31-24, but Ohio State over Notre Dame. Um, it's one of those teams where – you bet against the Buckeyes and it bites you in the ass, in my opinion. And I just think skill level wise, no discredit to Notre Dame. I just think Ohio State is a step up um, offensively, defensively, coaching wise. I think they're in a better position to win this game. And on that note, we have a special guest, our lone commenter, Michael Gilligan. What's up, guys? Hey. Small State Big Takes, House Enterprise Creator. Joining in on the party as we talk well, about the college game day, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. What is your take and what is your pick? Actually, it's funny. My biggest bet of the week uh, is in relation to this game. Uh, so I I like the over, but I love a teaser of the the over at fifty two and a half in Ohio State um, eleven and a half. That's my that's my favorite play this week. Five units on it. I I couldn't couldn't slow myself down. I told myself I was going to take it easy this week, but no, I said, screw it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my, my favorite play right there. Um, but yeah, I do like the, the over straight up as well at 58 and a half. I just think Ohio state always puts up numbers early in the season. Um, I, I, I respect Notre Dame. I think they can at least score 20 some points. Right. So I think it, it could be, it could get a little ugly in my opinion, but, um, but at the same time, Ohio State, they they let it fly. They like to just air out the offense early on, and uh, they're not afraid to run up a score. So, yeah, I'll say this: I think it's definitely more important for um, Notre Dame. I think because if they lose this game, it's going to be harder for them to fight their way back into the college football discussion, playoff discussion. I think if Ohio State loses this game, they can they still have big games within the Big Ten that they can make up for it. They go on a run. They make it to the Big Ten championship. They win that. They can still kind of sneak in there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a huge battle week one. There's a lot at stake, and uh, it's it's going to be fun one to watch. Do you think because of that, you know, because Notre Dame, Notre Dame losing this game, it, it's going to be a lot harder for them to bounce back into the college football playoff discussion. And, you know, with the way that, that college football is realigning and everything, conferences are changing – uh, and, you know, TV deals are changing. Um, do you think Notre Dame's time as an independent program is numbered? Because I'm going to say, yeah. Like, I think, I, I think we're going to see them in a conference in the next decade or so. I think they should already be in a conference, to be honest yeah. with you. I think the fact that they have kind of held out has been detrimental to them. I honestly believe that. Um, there's no reason that they shouldn't be playing in the Big Ten every year against Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. They're in that region they belong in a conference like that. They should be there, especially now with um, UCLA and USC coming in. Why not? Now's the time to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that if there was ever a time to do it and they haven't done it thus far, that they should probably go into a conference. And I would say that the Big Ten probably makes the most sense. That would be Yeah, the biggest way. reason, obviously, is like – <laughs> the massive exclusive deal they have with NBC, NBC. right? Yeah. But I don't know if you guys saw um, 
a, a huge deal just got just got reached with with it was between NBC, uh, Paramount Plus, and Fox. So basically, uh, all those games that are going to be airing on all those networks are going to be simultaneously streamed on Peacock and Paramount Plus, including games on Fox. Fox games are going to be streamed on like you know it's going to switch off on like one of those two services weekly. So I mean, Notre Dame's already in on NBC. So the the exclusiveness of their TV deal, and 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 this is also specifically with the Big Ten as well. Sorry, I forgot to add that as well. So it's like the exclusivity of this of this deal is already fading as as we as you know TV is completely changing. So yeah, I like I I think it's I think they'll they're bound to be in the Big Ten in a couple of years. Hopefully, that would be a loaded conference. They'd also have to make a big switch though, because they're in everything else in the ACC. Right. Uh, but you know who knows. I mean, I wouldn't mind see them going to the ACC either. I mean, they play Clemson, they play you know the Miamis, they bring back that rivalry, yeah, right? Uh, so I mean, I think that would be great, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It would strengthen that conference as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, are we ever going to get to a point where there's only like four conferences? Maybe yes. even two, you know, it's just gonna the country's just gonna swallow in and it's half and half. It's like Pangea yeah. for uh for college football. I could see it being Pac 12, ACC, SEC, and Big Ten, like the Big 12 just you know kind of disappearing and like Mountain West, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will be interesting indeed. Uh Gilly. We already said our picks. Do you have one pick across the board that you love? Um, I, I think I, I did put it in the chat. I also I'm in love with Alabama first quarter minus 10. I think I, I love a first quarter bet and a first half bet on Bama. I think first half is like 27 and a half. That's a little that's a little thick for me. I probably would be more comfortable um, with the first quarter. I just think they're going to come out hot and just – they always stomp realistically in the, the first half, regardless of, of who they're playing, but they're another one. They run up the score early, and then I just don't want to sweat out the over or some crazy, what is it, 40-something point um, uh, line in the fourth quarter just because they all put, they put their backups in, and it's like, oh, geez, this is a totally different offense. But, yeah, that's that's my other big play that I, I do like, which, I don't know, a little basic going to Bama. Uh, Huh. Did we lose? I we think lost we lost one. week one here, but I don't care. I just there. Am I back? You're back. You're back. Okay. No, I, I was just saying. I'm trying to try to play it cool. Lost a few bets last week in week zero. Went a little too thick. Actually, got my Huskers hat on. Took them, <laughs> which that was a mistake. Um, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. After a performance like that, I am. Never. Well, I, I bet the over on that, but I'm staying away from any Nebraska spread money line for the rest of the season. They blew it. It's too bad, too, because I wanted Scott Frost to do well there. Obviously, he's an alum. He won a national championship with them. And he was a great he's a great coach. Right. He was at uh, UCF before. And I, I wanted him to do well. But I think his time there is dwindling and uh, it's going to come to an end, probably if it's not during the year, probably after the season. Yeah, yeah. The and offensive coordinator was a big move, but I didn't even consider this at the time. That's a hedge for the um, AD, right, as a Scott Frost replacement, potentially, right, even if it's a, right. just an impromptu 
interim type gig and then see what happens. But yeah. We're going to keep our eyes on Nebraska and Scott Frost. But as we close out week one, we'll be posting the picks on our Twitter, on the blog. You can rewatch the broadcast and we'll be back next Wednesday at 9 p.m. The full House Enterprise crew for the football house departs. Happy week one, gentlemen. Happy week one, world. Let's win some coin. Go, baby. College football back. Love it. And that was just the football house review recap, the post live stream edition uh, presented by House Enterprise, of course, and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house for 20% off plus free shipping. Who's back of the week? House Enterprise and videos. What a platform. No free ads for StreamYard, but see some good content coming in through all of House now that we have this platform and the live streams. I mean, it's fun. It's going to be great for, you know, building up this college football pick em show that will then parlay into NFL picks, college basketball, um, all of the gambling content that we're going over. So check us out, House Enterprise Twitter and YouTube, and we hope you enjoyed that segment of college football pick them and that's all <laughs> that's uh it's episode 98 um quick plug for the football fan diaries as well uh we will have tons I'm struggling to remember how many it's 11 it's 11 time. so it's pat patriots by yourself giants by myself Jets is Clubfoot Jim. Eagles is Eddie. Commanders is Zach Penrice. Brandon Ametti is the Bills. Sam Basil is the Rams, which shout out to Basil's cover. It's Buzz's boy for Buzz Wetzel, who is the Rams' first coach that loved Fordham and gave them the nod for the Rams. Um, Very sick. Uh, Phil Dexter for the Packers, Owen Brown for the Titans, Josh Adams for the Ravens, Jordan Laube for the Cardinals. I think you got everyone. I think I got everyone. Double check to confirm. You said Titans Ohm? Said Titans Ohm. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that just to double... And also a brief yes. shout out to TJ Hushmanzada for picking our fantasy football draft order. How electric was that? The crew was buzzing for that. The crew loved it. The fans loved it. Shout out TJ Hushmanzada, Hushmazoo. <laughs> uh, what a what an affordable, delightful surprise from the Pro Bowl wide receiver of the Cincinnati Bengals. That was cool. He was like a, he, I'm not going to say he was like great, but he was a decent WR three in the days that the Bengals were bad. Not even bad average. I guess. Yeah. Cause the Browns sucked at that point. The Bengals were always at T with, um, uh, Marvin. Is it Marvin Smith? Marvin Hall? No. Who was the coach? Uh, um, Marvin Lewis, right? Marvin Lewis. 
The Bengals, I feel like Andy was, Dalton throwing to him. <laughs> it was the biggest Mandela effect for the Bengals for like I swear to God, it was like four straight years of like the Bengals going nine and seven and losing to the Texans in the wild card. <laughs> I need to Bengals record year over year. Like Holy it was shit. something. Not a, I don't think he was even. I think he's too old to have Andy Dalton throw to him. So from 2011 to 2015, they lost the wild card every year. You know what the crazy part is? He wasn't even there for any of those years. He is older than we think he is. I'm just going to say that now. I hate. Sorry, TJ, if you're listening. I don't want to disparage you, but he might have been there for 2009. No, he's with Seattle. I got his Wikipedia up. It's the Bengals from 2001 to 2008, Seattle 2009, the Ravens 2010, and then the Raiders. So he only made one. He only made one playoff appearance as a Bengal in 2005. Another lost wild card. That kind of sucks. Wait, yeah, I mean, he's a he... pro bowler in 2007. Okay, so the 2012, they lost to the Texans. Oh my god. I'm 2013, they lost to the Texans. 2014, they lost to the Chargers. 2015, they lost to the Colts. And 2016, they lost to the Steelers. So two years. But in my mind, it was all five. It was a two, it was a two sack game. From J.J. Watt with Brandon Schaub winning winning it for them. You know who it, I first saw T.J. Hushmanzada and Madden back in the day when they had to shorten his name? Yeah. It was Hushmans, uh, and it ended Hushman. with a C. And that was when I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Um, yeah, man. He, uh, he had Carson Palmer throwing him for like his whole career. Pretty solid. Yeah. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was good. People forget. People do forget. So I just I'll take back my slander from uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals. He was on a good team, and he was the he also led the league in receptions in two thousand seven. Kind of crazy. I guess he was good. That's our show. That's episode 98 of Beers, Business, and Balls. Uh, catch us next Wednesday as well on our house channels uh, for some college football. Pick them for the football house. There's so much more. You've got it all. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy.